Hip hop, 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 I done watch them niggas do interview after interview They not culture vultures, the culture something they been into So if you never gave them a view, I recommend you do Cause when they question guests, they message is not subliminal It don't matter if you a rookie or at your pinnacle They gon' touch on stuff that you did and what you finna do It's uncensored too, yo they never had a goofy show But I saw some boys on they show acting goofy though Well if you think they L stupid though you would get exposed like the hoes on OnlyFans letting Coochie show. To introduce the show, when I sent this to Sam, asked, oh God, that nigga said, oh God, you the man, Cass. I spit white like a clan mask, and I'm a hustler. I could stand out on the beach and sell sandbags. Some things can't last, but this ain't just a podcast. This is Sam Ant and Oh God, Cass. Hip-hop uncensored is the vibe, so subscribe. Hip-hop uncensored is the vibe, so subscribe. Oh, God, driving Sam and riding passenger side. And you heard it out the mouth of the greatest rapper alive. Hip-hop uncensored is the vibe, so subscribe. Hip-hop uncensored is the vibe, so subscribe. Oh, God, driving Sam and riding passenger side. And you heard it out the mouth of the greatest rapper alive. Go gang. Welcome to another episode of the Hip Hop Uncensored Podcast. I'm your brother, old guy from Hip Hop News Uncensored. Sitting across from me is my co-host. What up, what up, y'all? It's your man, Sam. And viral Hip Hop News. You're in the building on this Monday with the best, man. Another episode of the Hip Hop Uncensored Podcast. Like my cousin said, we got a special guest in the building. We got Hip Hop in the building to start the week of the podcast. We got Money B on the platform. How you doing today, brother? What up, dog? How you guys doing? Thanks for having me. The pleasure is all ours, man. Definitely appreciate having you on. We got hip hop. You guys like, have to do that, do that, do the intro a little better. You gotta say from the multi-platinum Grammy nominated group Digital Underground. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> My apologies for that. Yeah, let, let them know who we talking to in the building. Yeah, the you gotta know because you just say money B. You know it's a money B in like the UK or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. I only I only know one on money B, and that's money or, B. Motherfucking underground. Hey. You know how it is. Man, Oakland, California in the building. I got Damn business. Yeah, man. Some close family out there. I, you know what? We talk about this on the platform. I know it's some sports to start off the, the, the conversation, but we've seen that the Warriors went from the Oracle over to San Francisco, man. And I talk about I'm like that that probably really hurt the city of Oakland. It may not seem like much to the people outside <clears throat> watching the Warriors play, but to the people in Oakland, that must have hurt. How how did that how did that feel? I mean, it 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 definitely affects the economy and people yeah. who 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 worked but but you know what they did i think they offered everybody that worked at oracle a job at at the chase center at the new spot but it's not just that it's the economy around the whole area you know the restaurants and and you know down to the little convenience stores where people pick up their liquor to drink before they go inside the spot Mm -hmm. whatever it is you know and people that sell the shirts on the street corner just the town would always buzz you know, especially now that the Warriors are doing well. Well, I mean, you know, before this last season, but right, we'll right. be back. Yeah, I'll be back. Um, but you know, some people like my brother, he 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 won't even watch the Warriors no more because they left. Damn. But I always tell people, you know, they actually started in San Francisco and then they came to Oakland. Mm. And they really they started in Philadelphia. They were the Philadelphia Warriors, then they were the San Francisco Warriors, 
Then they became the Golden State Warriors when they moved to Oakland. Now they're back in San Francisco. I mean, it kind of is what it is, though. Yeah. Let's talk about growing up in Oakland, man, because um, when you think about Oakland, you think about, you know, a real gritty city, almost like Philadelphia on the East Coast, but where from. Um, and then you got the history of the Black Panthers and all the revolution over there. Can you talk about, you know, how it was growing up in Oakland, California? Well, I don't know how much you guys know you grew about up in me. Philly. I know you grew up in Philly. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't grow up in Philly. That's where I'm from. That's where okay. my family is from, North Philly. Uh Shout out Badlands, you know how it is. Um, but, you know, I was born in Philly. That's where my family's from. But when I was, you know, two or three, my father actually joined the Black Panther Party, my mother and father. Okay, that's what's And up. my dad actually transferred to Oakland. You know, that's where he repeat and everything was. That's where the, 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 where the original branch of the Black Panther Party was. He mm-hmm. got basically sent out there to help there two years later he came and got me and my mom and so you know i've since i was like three or four years old i've been in oakland and actually i attended the oakland community school which was the school that was uh founded by huey p newton and the black Panther parties so i grew up in that for real for real so growing up in that and seeing what's going on now and just seeing kind of like I don't even know what to call it in 2020, but it's very interesting what we're seeing out here. Give some perspective on on how you're seeing it. I mean, it's funny how, um, you know, history repeats itself. Or if you want to just say how much things have not changed, because, yeah. you know, when, when Black Panther Party started, you know, was really started to p- police the police. You feel me? And, and kind of make sure that, when they made arrests, they, they made them properly, you know, like the Black Panthers would show up armed and watch from, you know, um, peacefully watch the arrest to make sure that there was no funny business. You know, they started the first free lunch program that, that's been adopted by, you know, public schools in this country. Um, they raised money for sickle cell anemia, which was a, a disease that predominantly affects people of color, black people specifically. So um, all of these things that, uh, you know, if we start with just policing the police, it feels like the police still need to be policed because they, they, they haven't changed. And even if you fast forward from the late 60s, early 70s, when they started, 66 was when the Black Panther Party actually started. But you fast forward, to 1991, you know, I had a group with DJ Fuse from Digital Underground called Raw Fusion. And our first single was called Throw Your Hands in the Air. And it was about um, police brutality. And it's just like every 10, 20 years, something just happens that that make us, you know, scream out about it. But it, it's, it's been the same. No doubt. Now, what was the response like? Uh, what the response like when you guys put that song out? Back then, um, you know, like you got the NWA shirt on and, you know, the fuck the police and all that. What well, was the response to the people? If you really want to know, this is NW. Uh, my NWA is Niner with Attitude, you know, for the, for the Niner gang. Oh, okay. Out here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if, if you know me, I'm a, I'm a diehard 49ers fan. Um, but the song, what was crazy about the song was that 
you know, we did it in a way that was lighthearted. So when people talk about throw your hands in the air, they they talk more about how funny the video was, how they liked the beat. They used to play it in the club, but never really about what the content and of the song was. And it's actually on the set of that video because that was the first video that the Hughes brothers directed, who did Minister Society and a bunch of other movies. Mm-hmm. On that set is where, you know, they met Tupac, who's a part of Digital Underground. And that's kind of like, that's where that relation started. If you see, if you watch the video, you see Pac and the rest of Digital Underground at the beginning of the video. But we gave the Hughes brothers their first job. Um, oh. They directed that. And that's kind of where that relationship started. No, but, no, go on, I'm sorry. No, I just say people really talk about the police, you know, how we mentioned the police brutality in the song. It's, it's always more about how fun the song was, how funny the video was, and how dope the beat was, or whatever it is. So we kind of hit hit it, kind of like Digital Underground overall. We always had social commentary in our music, but people pay more attention to the to the funkiness of it, the danceability of it, right. or Humpty Hump, who's the, the, the comical-looking character. So we, we would sneak messages in where people would either subconsciously hear it or, or not even know that they in school it was a lot it was a lot of that in the 90s we see ice cube obviously with nwa and now out very vocal it seems like you know what's crazy in social media now it's like you get mocked for being too pro-black now a lot of people and seem to be pro-black but what ice cube did in my opinion was forget both sides who's going to do something for black people and he got criticized for that what do you think about um ice cube's moves motivation then the criticism that followed well I feel like Ice Cube has enough cachet with us and, and our community that we should give him the benefit of the doubt and wait and see what, the, you know, I don't know. I'm, 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 I think that Ice Cube's motives were pure and good. And I, I like to wait, wait to see what the final outcome of, of his plan was before I pass any judgment. You know, we're quick, we're quick to, to what the kids say, cancel somebody <laughs> very quick, mm-hmm. you know, for something that they wouldn't even have the, the nuts or the heart to, to even try to do. So I kind of laugh at that stuff. But me personally, I'm I'm just waiting to see what 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 the what the after everything comes out, what you know, yep. what's the final result before I pass judgment, especially on ice cream. So let's go back to the beginning a little bit, man. Um, what started you rapping and who were some of the people that you listened to that, you know, made you might want to, you know, pick up a pen, you know, a microphone and start rapping? Um, really, it's two people. Obviously, you guys would not be surprised, but too short. Okay. Being from Oakland, he was somebody, you know, growing up, I was always a fan of, of like the, the smooth rappers like Spoonie G and uh, even like, uh, you know, the Fearless Four, Devastated Tito and and cats like that. But I always thought, in Super Rhymes, I always thought that you had to be from the East Coast to make a record. It wasn't until, you know, somebody that I, that I actually would see on the bus and, and in, in the streets and had his tapes. Too Short made a record. It made me believe that I could make a record too. And I think that was more important than any any style or cadence or flow that I ever picked up. The fact that 
um, I could reach out and touch too short. I could see him and, and I knew people that actually knew him. You know, I went to school with, uh, you know, when he started making his tapes back in the early 80s, he used to make them at this cat Hot Lips house. I actually went to school with Hot Lips' cousin. So I would get like second generation cassettes of two short tapes, which most people have like 10th and 15th generation copies because that's how they would that's how they would be passed along. So the fact that just seeing him and knowing that he was from the same place that I was growing up in um, inspired me to feel like it was something that I could really do. Now, when it comes, like I said, when it comes to style and just on the music side of it, I love Spoonie G. Um, I idolized Run DMC when they first came out. Um, was a huge fan of uh, BDP. Of course, Rakim, because my voice is so, so light. I was never like the hip hop. I never had a loud, my voice didn't project. So when Rakim came out or even like um, Ramel Z and cats like that, that were smooth, it kind of made me say, okay, maybe I have a place in this thing. Dope, man. Now, you got so much versatility in Oakland and in the Bay Area. When I think about Oakland rap, it's so many different styles. It's not one particular style like it would be maybe in some of your other cities where hip hop is famous. Talk about the sound and how the sound has been cultivated from your hammers to your two shorts to E-40 to just all the Oakland um, hip hop artists and acts that's been out there. Talk about the sound of Oakland. Well, the Bay Area is, is probably one of the most diverse um, areas or communities in, in, in the country that I know from going way back. You know, so we have like, you know, Hispanics, Vietnamese, black, white, and we all kind of exist together. And if you take it back to even like, um, like the beatnik days in the sixties with uh, the Hate Ashbury, Jim Morrison, and and all of that, uh, Sly and the Family Stone, the Commodores, everybody was different, but they coexisted. So, you know, coming up. And even you know, especially back in the in the eighties and nineties, you know, it wasn't okay to bite, right? So if somebody had a style, you had to do something different. Mm-hmm. But we never looked, we never frowned upon any particular style. That's why you had, you know, MC Hammer, Too Short, Tony Tony Tony, Digital Underground, Souls of Mischief, Mac Dre, E40, Spice One. I mean, we all were rocking at the same time. All sounded different, but we all respected each other. And you know, it kind of helped digital underground because it allowed us to really just be ourselves. You know, we didn't feel like we had to jump on and try to act tough. I mean, you know, I'm from, from North Philly to Oakland. Like you can't out ghetto me, but I, I would never tell you that I was tough. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I know how to move around, but I'm not that guy, you know, bragging about how many dudes I'm, a, you know, I don't want to knock you out. I want to, I want to, date your woman probably you know what I mean and so that's what we talked about and also you know just talking about digital underground and, and, and my style I kind of watched it firsthand what speaking things into existence does right because um a lot of people don't know Asian Gregory is our first manager and executive producer he kind of he's Digital Underground and Tupac we were signed to TNT Records. That was our first label. And Atrin actually made his money 
um, working for Jerry Heller and Ruthless Records. So he road managed JJ Fad, NWA, uh, who else was on the label? Just all of those groups. And so when NWA would come to town, he would bring us around him. So we, we're kind of like, um, we're part of the NWA family in okay. a roundabout way. So I actually got to see it. Like when they would come to town, everybody wanted to see, you know, challenge their gangster or see how tough they really were. Or if you could, if you could be as gangster as them and, and, and be more gangster than them, then you were the gangster. I didn't want to have to go through that, you know? So I always like to talk about partying, hanging out, drinking, and, you know, having sex. Cause that's what I like to do. Right. You kind of answered, you jumped into my next question. I was going to ask you about your relationship, with the LA hip hop scene, but um, I'll ask you, you know, about, um, I'll ask you this question. Are you, are you the founding member of Digital Underground, like who actually like came together and started the group and had the first concept? Um, Shock G actually started Digital Underground. He's the, the founding member. It was his original concept. And uh, it was him, you know, the first the first single came out in 1988, Underwater Rhymes. And really the group consisted of Shock G and Shopmaster J, who went on to be Big Brother Soul. But um, and then there was Kenny K, who was the DJ, who was like one of the original, original members when Shock was in Tampa, Florida. That's where he came up. Shock's from New York, but he went to high school in Tampa, Florida. And then he came to the Bay Area after that. So um, the way me and Fuse, me and Fuse were a group called Raw Fusion. And Digital Underground was promoting their record. Fuse and I were doing talent shows and trying to get a deal for Raw Fusion. And Shock needed a DJ after um, Kenny K actually came to the Bay Area and he passed away. I forget. Uh, he had a he had a disease. I can't remember what it was, but rest in peace, Kenny K. Digital Underground needed a DJ and Fuse was like the hottest DJ in the Bay at the time. But, um, you know, we was a team. So Fuse was like, you know, I rock with y'all, but I got to rock with me and Money B. So that's how we got on. But we, our first record was uh, Do What You Like in 89. Yep. And it was in 1990. I was seven years old when I heard the Humpty Dance. It was about that time and then Children's right. Story. But um, my man Slick Rick is kind of where I started getting introduced to hip hop. Obviously, you had um, Run DMC, you had uh, Public Enemy out here, KRS One out. We're in Jersey, so but I, right. the Humpty Dance, Children's Story, those those was like whoa, like different styles that I weren't accustomed to. Can you talk about the creation of the Humpty Dance, how that came about, and then um, you had what what other song that you had? Same song. That's when Tupac was introduced. But can you same um, song? We have Freaks of the Industry. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Humpty Dance actually was not originally supposed to be on Sex Packets, our first album. It, that song was made because um, two songs didn't get clear. Samples didn't get clear. So we needed two extra songs. And the last two songs we recorded were Humpty Dance and Freaks of the Industry, which mm. kind of became like, you know, two of our signature songs. Yep. Crazy. So um, New York, how were you perceived or you guys group perceived in New York? Because it was a time in New York where people would say people from the South and people from the West was corny. So I'm interested to know, you know, um, do you get any love in New York? 
I would say, like, you know, Humpty Dance was was big everywhere, but yeah. you could probably still say that, um, like, you could have the biggest hit in the world, but you go to New York and there's always a little less, right? <laughs> and yeah. you just, and then I, I would always gauge it about, um, and it sounds silly, but this is the truth, of how much attention I would get as far as play with, with, with the girls, right? So... I would say I really didn't start getting action in New York until Kiss You Back came out. That's when it was like, okay, we're rocking it. And then plus we um, we performed at the Apollo and we smashed it. Mm-hmm. I mean, destroyed it. So I was like, all right, we made it. We in here. You 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 a hip hop artist, but you got an R and B singer mentality. Like you you went straight for the females, the females all day long, which is obviously what men do. But talk about um. The verse that not no no what you talk about talk about today's music because you had so many variations of hip hop but it stayed to the authenticity of hip hop where today it's gotten a little away from that in my opinion but talk about t- today's hip hop compared to hip hop when you did it well I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to what you just said previously uh, when you said like you know I was about the women but but women were always the key to success mm-hmm. in hip hop and music that's why LL was as big. That's why, you know, even Run DMC, you know, if you if you're young enough, you don't know, but chicks like Run. You know what I mean? He's the light skin, he was that 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 guy. He had the he had the swag per se. Um, and even Big, you know, Big when he first was shopping his demo, and even you know, listen to party and bullshit, he was just a straight like screaming at you, hip hop dude. And if you know, it wasn't until pop kind of took him under his arm and like, bro, lay back, you know, do it for the ladies. And 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 Big adopted his style and that's when he really had success. So, you know, if we want to talk about just standing in a circle on a cipher, you know, that's cool. But if you if you ever wanted success to set commercial success, then you you had to at some point cater to females. Okay. Um, now, when we talk about today's music, um, today's music is, although it's different, it's still the same as it always was. Meaning, you know, I always tell people there were ra- there were whack rappers in the '90s as well, and whack rappers mm-hmm. in the '80s. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, whack rappers didn't just start coming out in the 2000s, and bullshit music didn't just start happening over the last 10 years. It's just that um, a lot of it gets more play. You know, once hip hop became, I think it became like a, a billion dollar industry in, in by the early 2000s, then that's when cats who weren't really true to the culture just jumped in for the dollar. And that's when labels were like, you know, 50 cents dope. Who else, you know, can we get another 50 cent? That's when I seen the whole thing about people didn't care about biting and sounding just like the next guy. You know what I mean? And then it, then it became commonplace. And then it just became what they do. Um, when I, you know, where I come from, you couldn't sound like the next guy. Yeah. You, know, you had to be original. But it's no longer frowned upon these days. So when it comes to like, Newer music, I don't really try to shit on it at all. I just find what I like. You know, I, I think it's some dope new artists. I think it's some whack 
cool artists, but there always has been. So you you just gotta, especially with all of the different um, platforms, internet, just find what you like, rock with it. Who are some of them dope artists that you listening to? Um, well, I don't even be knowing all their names. <laughs> nah, because this is one song um, that they play out here. Like if I'm if I'm listening to the radio, I can't even think of how it go, but it's dope. And I I don't even know who the dude is, but but they play it a lot on the radio. Um, I dig it. I like uh, you know, obviously, you know, Kendrick's. Um, mm. Name some guys. I tell you if I, if I know them, I like them or whatever. Um, let me think, cause think all right. So like, Lil Baby. I like Lil Baby. I like especially like the the, the song that he made. Um. Um, right when right after George Floyd, he had like a, a, a song that had like a little yeah. social connotation to it. Shit was dope. But I also remember when I first first time I heard Lil Baby was uh on Drake's song, right? What'd he go? Um Wow, wow, wow. Bitch and Lil Baby. Yeah. Like it was kind of <laughs> clever and something, something like a Pikachu. He had some bars in there. I was like, okay, I don't know who this is, but bro was rocking. Um, and there's a new song with Lil Baby with some other dude that I like. I can't think of the name of it, but, uh, yeah, Lil Baby dope. Who else? Well, you know what? This, you kind of had me think, what do you think about King Vaughn? He just recently passed, but, um, he was, he was a hot young rapper out of Chicago and he started really picking up steam before his untimely demise a couple of weeks ago. What did you think about him? Right. So I'm glad you went from that to that because, I hadn't before, and to this day, I've never heard his music. I don't even know what he sounds like, and it's not, you know, not because I don't want to. I just where where I'm at, it hasn't penetrated my space, you know. So I I I, I can't really speak on his music. You know, the first time I heard about him, he was dead. Wow! But that just that just tells you where I am with with music. If I hear it, I digest it. If I don't, you know, I don't hang out in clubs with. with 21 year olds no more. So yeah. I, you know, I don't know. Right. But what I heard he was all right, right? Y'all tell me. I never heard. He's good. Yeah, he's nice. Definitely. He got the number one album right now, I think. Well, was yeah. it I heard he was like number two before he passed. Yeah, 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 just yeah, like, yeah. It's just like it's just like the uh, other cat that recently passed. Um Pop Smoke. Pop Boy. Smoke. I yeah. wasn't really familiar with a lot of his music, but then I went and checked it out and you know, to me, I didn't know that it really stood out from the other stuff. You know what I'm saying? So sometimes I get it. Sometimes I don't get it. You know, yeah. I'm not going to sit here and say, like, I'm the, 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 the connoisseur, the gatekeeper of today's music. Like, certain shit just hit me. I hit me. But I do want to hear, dude, just to hear it. Or- what do you think about the recent uh, rash of rappers that have been getting shot in the last, you know, maybe three or four days, three rappers, you know, have been shot. Boosie, uh, Bendy the Butcher, and um, MO3 from Dallas, he was actually killed. What do you think about that? And um, what precautions can rappers take, you know, not to make themselves a target? Did Boosie just got shot? Lil Boosie? Yeah, mm-hmm. a couple days yeah. ago. In Dallas? Got shot in the leg. But he all right, though, right? He yeah, good. he's good. Yeah, he's good. That's fucked up. When we like, he got shot, but he all right. 
Ain't nobody all right after they get shot. He's all right, he's alive. He gonna be all right. Yeah. What 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 do you say? He's get shot every day, big. Oh, that's that line. Um, damn, man. You know what it is? In my opinion, I just think that our society, we feel like things don't exist unless people see it or know about it. So I think these youngsters are are so addicted to like social media and 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 showing what they have and showing where they're at and telling what they're doing and wearing what they what they're worth that they just make themselves targets like you know and I, and and it's not just the, the rappers i say just this generation of kids like if you look at antonio brown football yeah. player he he basically blew it by he couldn't he couldn't stay off social media long enough to make that money you know what i mean mm-hmm. Had to blast the chick, and then they, you know, he was about to make however many million. It was, it, it was, it was a byproduct of him not being able to stay off social media. And you know, I always tell, I was, I was telling my friend yesterday, you know, I just got back from Atlanta from a wedding, right? But I think I posted yesterday something from Atlanta, and he was like, "Bro, you, you in Atlanta?" I was like, man, if you ever see me post something about being somewhere, that means I, I was there. I'm not exactly. there anymore. I don't post where I'm at till I'm not at there. Nope. Mm-hmm. And that's just that's just a simple practice that you can do, you know, because you don't know who know where you live. So you talk about, hey, I'm over here and, and blah blah blah. Somebody you think you is your friend? Oh, I know where you at. He ain't there, or oh, he's at this spot. Like I think, ain't that why the um the young cat that we were just talking about came? Yeah, address leaked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even smoke um pop smoke. I think he somebody saw you know a landmark of where he was at and mm-hmm. or something. They seen something, but within the social media to know where he was. And, mm-hmm. and bro, you have you don't have to take all your jewelry with you everywhere you go. <laughs> Talk about it. You when it. When did hip hop become dangerous? To when did it become dangerous to be a hip hop artist? You see, Jim Jones and other hip hop artists talk about it's a dangerous profession to be in. I told you, hip hop was a dangerous profession. When did that begin? I mean, if you want to go back to the to the eighties, like cats was getting robbed for they they stuck for they chains when they went to uh, you know went to clubs, mm-hmm. or whatever. So just just being. Being black and being from the inner city is dangerous. Being that, so if 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 golf was popular in the hood, then golf would be dangerous because that's just where we come from and that's what we do, right? right. So it's not it's nothing about the hip hop being dangerous. It's like we're dangerous. We're dangerous to each other, which is yeah. which is crazy. So enough of us are doing it, then it just becomes more dangerous, especially you know the whole crabs in the barrel mentality. Um, wanting to pull it, you know, just we pull, we pull each other back for no reason. Feels like, um, but I know what you're speaking of, and when I say when I when when I think it became dangerous like that is, um, 
Now tell me if this makes sense to you. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna take it somewhere different. And I talk about it in my book. I wrote autobiography that should be coming out soon. Dope. But I said that once the kids who grew up, whose parents were affected by crack and just the abandonment of that whole situation, meaning like if your mom was on crack and you had to grow up just in that environment, she didn't take care of you, you had to fend for yourself mm. and fuck everybody, it's all about me, you grow up. And that's what the message of the music that was, was spitting out. And that's the mentality that people really, really thought is, is, you know, me and my clique and fuck everybody else, fuck them other niggas. And if, if that's really the mentality. When I came up, you know, our first tour was with Big Daddy Kane, right? Big Daddy Kane, third base, MC Light, I think Kim Play, Queen Latifah. And then depending on what region we were in, we had like different groups from different places. But as we moved through the country, we moved like sort of like a unit. You know, we were all from different places around the country. But as we were moving, we kind of took looked out for each other, mm-hmm. right? And if we went, if we were in Louisville, Kentucky, you know, I remember we went, we decided to go play hoop and we went to go play in the hood, but we all went together and we all left together and we looked out. I think it became a time when everybody just really went in, even going on tour with other groups. It's like, it's just about me and these four dudes. And even though I'm about to be living with these cats for four months, fuck them too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's, 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 it's a shame. But, you know, yeah, that's what happened. And I think that time happened right around the the early 2000s. Okay. You know? And then the whole, what people would say, I forget what the term it was with Jay-Z, the whole, because uh, he started wearing all the jewelry and the, and the, and the, they had like a name for that, that, lo- that little era when Jay-Z first came to prominence. And, okay. um, Y'all don't know it? I'm trying to think about it. What you mean, like flossing? Yeah, but they called it something else. They they had a specific name. But they called bling, it not bling, not bling. No, it was it was before bling. Okay, bling bling <laughs> came when uh baby and them. Hot boys, yeah, hot boys. Yeah. Yeah. but before oh. that, they called it something. It was just because Jay was always talking about his jewelry and how much he had and his platinum chains and all of that, and then that just became the, the style of that that time. And they had a name for it, but mm. when it when it became that, then it was about how much you have and how much the other person doesn't have. And mm. you know, in the beginning, we would brag about things. You know, the rappers are like, "I got bodyguards, I got two big." They didn't have that shit. You know what I'm saying? Everybody knew it, but it sounded fly. And Jay Z started talking about it. He really had it, and so people were like, "Man, I got to have that to talk about it." And that's when you were talking about it. They like, oh, he really got it. We need to get it from him. <laughs> Let's talk a little Tupac, man. Um, you talking about first first meeting up with Tupac and your first impressions of him? Yeah. Um, when I first met Pac, he was in a group called Strictly Dope. And I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with Ray Love. He actually had a solo career as well, but him and Ray Love were rappers in the group. And like I said, Atrin, who had signed us, who were on the label TNT, he asked us to listen to these guys that he was thinking about signing. So they basically had to audition and rap in the street in front of us. And when I first heard them, I thought that Ray Love and Tupac were equally talented. Mm. But 
once they stopped rapping and you started just hanging out and talking to him, it was obvious that Tupac had a larger than life personality from the very beginning. Like you could tell that he had that that thing. He always uh, commanded um, attention in the room, no matter who he was in the room with. Digital Underground. Um, can you talk about him? You know his stint with you guys and how that experience was. Um. Well, I, what I did mention in earlier when we talked about Digital Underground is that you know me and Fuse were raw fusion and we got into Digital Underground. Yeah. Basically, to help further Shock G's vision, um, everybody that was in Digital Underground basically was a solo act per se. But Digital Underground was more like a, a big production team to kind of help bring Shock's vision to life. And in return, Atron and Shock and everybody did everything that they could to make sure that we all got our solo deals and we all were able to branch out and do what we really wanted to do. So when Pac came, like, you know, Strictly Dope broke up and Pac was, you know, they were they were shopping him a deal and he was getting impatient and he really wanted to uh he's like if if something doesn't happen soon I'm leaving you H and H was like yo um can pop rock with y'all we were already he was already part of the our musical family but he wasn't officially in the group but we took him out on the um on our first US tour I think it was the Big Daddy Kane tour and you know like like all of us, we did what our we, we we did what our what our roles were in the in the group, but you know everybody that met Pop, all the other groups, you know, like I said, if you if you know him, you know you know you, you know something about Pop, and he just started buzzing within the industry, you know what I'm saying, and we knew it wasn't long before, you know, he got he he got his got his time to shine. Does it surprise you now that? 20 some odd years after his death, his name is still as strong and synonymous as it is today. Uh, kind of, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, cause you, when you, when you're, when you're doing it, like you never know, like you think that somebody has it, but, but there's a lot of talented people that just get derailed along the way. Right. So it wasn't like we didn't think that he had the talent, but, you know, I always tell people that I was like, well, what was it like? Um, you know, what was it like sharing, you know, being on tour and being roommates with Tupac? What was what was it like being with Tupac back in the day? And I always say, back then, I was the bigger star. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I was like, you wanted, you really should have been asking Tupac what it was like <laughs> to hang with me, right? <laughs> in those times. And, and people, you know, now how he's revered, people take, take me saying that. A little funny, but it's the actual truth. Um, by the time that I want to say, you know, Dear Mama came out, he got shot, went to jail. You know, he had obviously he was out of, you know, he was beyond our stratosphere had ever been. So don't get me wrong. Um, but from day one, I never thought 30, 30 years later and 20 something years after his death that he would be just as relevant. Like, like, a, you know, he's, he's up there with, with, uh, um, 
Bob Marley and, mm -hmm. and, and Elvis Presley yeah. and Tupac, meaning you don't have to be a fan of the music to know who he is globally. Mm -hmm. You know, and as much as, you know, in hip hop, as much as we want to, you know, talent wise, you know, the, the, the big E, Jay Z, and Nas, whatever, globally, Tupac is, 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 is a known icon more than anybody in hip hop has ever been. Yes. Um, Tupac, you said in an interview, if I'm not mistaken, that Tupac changed when he went to death row. Could you kind of elaborate on that? Um, well, I don't know if I was misquoted because, okay. you know, I've never, I've never spent any time around death row. So I don't know what was happening within the confines of that, whatever. Um, what I've always said is Tupac was probably wilder before the world got to know him. Actually, mm -hmm. by the time you guys knew who he was, he had actually calmed down a little bit. Okay. You know, when we first met him, he was just a wild nigga that didn't have nothing to lose. And he was willing to do anything and everything. You know what I'm saying? He had he had that he had the he definitely had the drive and the work ethic, but you know, he wasn't gonna be stopped. <laughs> Let me just say that. Let me just say it like that. And uh, you know, there have been several situations. But um I would say this, you know, after you've been shot and you go to jail, you get set up by what I understand, people who you thought were your friends. You're kind of you kind of, it, it forces you to change, right? So mm -hmm. you have to look at, you have to look at everything differently. You have to move a little differently. So I think just the, the circumstances of the life, whether he created or it was created around him, forced him to be, you know, forced him to be, or didn't allow him to be as carefree as I knew him to be when he was with us, you know. Did you um spend any time um with Biggie and Tupac together? And next question will be if you can um answer on the back end will be where in your opinion do you think Tupac and Biggie went wrong in their relationship? Um I actually met Big Tupac, you know, when they were I almost wanna say if I if I wasn't there when they met, it was shortly after. because uh, I remember Big showed up to one of our, I think we did like the first MTV jams. If you ever see the one with Pac Snow and I get around off the live band. Mm -hmm. And, and um, I'm wearing like the, the Jalen Rose Michigan jersey. Mm -hmm. He came down to the set of that. We hung out and then um, maybe a few other times. And then, you know, when Big, when Big would come to the Bay Area because him and, him and Pac were cool, you know, I would check on him like, you know, Asked if he was already needed anything. Um, we were at a Gavin convention. I remember I sold him some weed one time. Um, but in my opinion, I don't think that uh, that Big did all of the things that Pop was saying he did. But I think that that Big probably knew what was going to happen, and and Pop was hurt that he didn't didn't tell him but then also surmised that maybe big wasn't that guy that he claimed to Tupac that he was to be able to speak out you know what I'm saying because Pac was like if you if you the boss in your, in your, your town or whatever 
Brooklyn, New York, or whatever, then if you know something is, is going down, let, you know, he's supposed to tell me. And um, I think it was a situation where it was bigger than, than something that Big could actually do. But I don't think Big ever wanted anything bad to happen to Pac. So it's just it was just an unfortunate situation because they were really, really tight. Appreciate that perspective. Talk about your autobiography, man. Talk about your book, if you don't mind. Um, yeah, man, I, I, I did a book. And, you know, because I am Money B from Digital Underground, you might think it's a, a, a hip hop book, but it's really, in my opinion, like a, a, an, Amer- an American history tale, just because, you know, my dad was in the Black Panther Party. So my story starts before I was even born. And, and I grew up in that environment through the 70s. You know, I survived the 80s when the crack epidemic hit in situations like that. Then you got the, the late 80s and 90s with the whole, you know, hip hop career with uh, Tupac and Digital Underground. And even within that, um, I was almost like a, a hip hop Forrest Gump because I've, I've been privy to and, and been in situations that people talk about. And I'm like, damn, I was there. Like when um, Trouble T-Roy with Heavy D, when he passed, when he, you, you guys know Trouble T-Roy, right? When mm-hmm. they you, you know, I was there when he, when he fell off the thing and, and his hip, you know, we had to go to New York the next day to the New Music Seminar, New Music Seminar and let New York know that he had passed. Uh-huh. Um, uh, you know, I was at the um, in New York when 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 the lynch mob and above the law had that big brawl in uh, in New York at the New Music Seminar. Um, you know, was in I was in Berlin when the Berlin Wall came down. We had a show out there, and I remember being in the in, in the streets when. Everybody running around and shit is on fire. Uh, I mean, it's just, a, it's just a, you know, and I just talk about a lot of these stories that, you know, I was, I was, I was witness to, you know, for instance, like, um, you know, I recall like one time, you know, we were in, me and Tupac, we did a song with, with Above the Law, right? And we were going, and Above the Law was signed to Rufus. And at the time, Dre had broke and no, no, no. I think Dre had broken was it was before aftermath or right at aftermath, but but Ruthless and Death Row were beefing, right? And I just remember being in the elevator with Easy E and Tupac and above the wall. We were getting ready to go to the stage and the elevator door is open, and I think Warren G and some other people was there. And Easy pulls out a gun and hot crazy ass, he pulled out his gun. Whoa. And, and it was like, ready to do this. And I was just like, what the hell is this? You know what I mean? Like, like what's going on? And um, just little little shit like that. And I, I've, I've actually witnessed, you know, the, the, the big public enemy tours. And, um, you know, performing at Wembley Stadium in, in, in London in front of 100,000 people. Um, just seeing, you know, knowing and seeing E-40 at the very beginning of his career. Just, just, it's just a bunch of stuff. You know what I mean? That, that I've 
I just saw in my lifetime. And I just talk about it. So you get to, I take you through history firsthand of somebody, you know, people want to know about the Black Panther Party. I'm actually telling you through my eyes what I saw and what I know. You, you really want to know about Tupac? Let me tell you what it was like being with Tupac and the things that we had to um, endure or experience or enjoy being around and with Tupac. You feel me? Mm. So, and then even after that, you know, I had a few life altering experiences, which I'll let you guys read in my book. But I just, I bring you through it, you know, and I don't hold anything back. Just talk about it. When is the book dropping? Um, what is this? Probably sometimes next year. You know, okay. like you know, like the book is finished, but mm-hmm. I'm not gonna release it until it's time to release it. You know what I mean? The, What's it called? Is right. Excuse me. What's it called? I'm sorry. Oh, right now it's titled um, "Hype Man: The Money B Story," Dumb. and it's called "Hype Man" because a lot of people even though I wasn't, would consider me as the second guy to shock G, which normally would be, say, the hype man. But mm-hmm. really, the play on words is that if you're, you know, the music industry is really just one big hype machine. So if you're part of it, then you're you're a hype man. You know, if you're part of this whole thing, the music industry is, is all about hype, right? And mm-hmm. if you play a part in it, then you're just one of the hype men. Cool. Now, movies for, for you guys, I know you did um Nothing But Trouble. Did you guys do any more movies and get any more parts, you know, as a result of your success from your group? And um, after those movies, um, did it catapult you guys a little bit more? Did you get more exposure? Can you talk about that a little bit? Um, after that, uh, I know Humpty Hump did a, a Nike commercial with Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley, which I didn't get invited to. <laughs> God damn it. Um, <laughs> And I think shock was in something, but you know, I did a few independent films that I'm that I'm proud that I was a part of. I don't don't ask me the names of them. <laughs> 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 I think one of them was called um God damn it. It was uh I forget what it was called, but but ironically, I forgot to even tell y'all, like, you know, I, I had a a few years where I was part of the adult industry as well. But in this movie, I played somebody in the adult industry. And, you know, 10 years later, I find myself actually in the adult industry. So that was kind of crazy. But um, I was able to play myself in, in um, All Eyes on Me, the Tupac movie. So that was kind of dope. Well, talk about some of your entrepreneurial ventures outside of music. I know you just talked about the adult industry, but talk about some other ones as well or whatever you whatever you're into. Outside of hip hop, well, um, we produced and directed myself and Cletus Mack, who's also a member of Digital Underground, from about 2001 to 2006. We had an an adult hip hop series called Sex and the Studio, and it was like a mix of of adult scenes, like real scenes, mm-hmm. and we mixed it in with with um, interviews with hip hop artists like Ludacris and uh, Exhibit and. Bone Crusher, if y'all remember him from back in the oh, day. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, shit. Um, Drez, Black, uh, Drez and De La Soul. Um, Drez from Black Sheep. Uh, um, damn it, look that shit up. <laughs> Sex in the Studio. We did like two episodes. But from that, we actually got a deal where we were shooting straight pornographic movies. 
and we had about, I don't know, 20 something odd titles that we did. Um, and it was pretty lucrative for the time that we were in it. And we actually got some awards for, for what we did. Um, but you know, that industry kind of changed the way that music did. And I believe that we got out of it at the right time. Um, currently, um, I have a, uh, I, I manage the digital underground merchandise and we have a website called, um, um, dumerch.com and where you can get your officially licensed, you know, digital underground, like this hat, so digital underground, mm-hmm. um, official digital underground merchandise. And also have a website called nine T's, um, nine T's hiphop.com where, you know, you can get classic nineties hip hop artist merchandise as well. Um, I am a part of a new streaming network called buyer streaming network. That's V Y R E. And it's, it's black owned. And, um, you know, I have, I have stake in that company as well. Just trying to think of everything. I do, I do a lot of shit. Right? They monetize over there on that streaming platform. Say what? Uh, what kind of streaming platform is it? Do they like it's for independent um, content creators? Is it movies? Like what kind of streaming it, platform? It's everything. So if you guys have content that you think that you that you're trying to find a home for, I'll let you know. Um, even even um, with your show that you guys do now, um, we have we'll have a channel on the network that's strictly for um, shows like this one. Like we just signed um crazy bone he has a show called truth talks with him and qg um we'll be launching that on the network um his original movies there and now the app is free so you can download it free to any your apple phone your, your roku your fire stick your, your um the google play store anywhere that you can get apps you can download um the app it's v-y-r-e fire streaming network it's free um um, live, live pay-per-view events is some things that, you know, we just did a boxing event a couple of weeks ago and um, we have some music events slated. So that's kind of um, heavy in what I'm doing. Uh, I manage a new artist called Lil Mikey TMB. He's from East Oakland, California. That's Lil Mikey TMB, which stands for the money boy, TMB. Um He's doing his thing out there. Um, the, the the current configuration of Digital Underground is myself and Young Hump, who's the newest member of Digital Underground, Money Being Young Hump. So we got music out there right now. Um, Young Hump actually played Humpty and Shock G in the um, All Eyes On Me movie. So oh. it was him and I together. And we, we auditioned separately and got the part. And they didn't even know we were already a group, which was dope. So we oh. had we had chemistry together beforehand and um and uh young hump he was handpicked by shock g you know he always says chose by the nose to carry on the legacy Mm -hmm. so um look for money being young hump look for the book look for fire network get your du merch um oh the going way back show which is my show my streaming show which uh, the tagline is classic hip-hop raw and uncut and just like you guys show, you know, I, I celebrate um, classic hip hop artists and the music and we talk about what they've been doing and what they're doing now. So, you know, uh, 
had cats, you know, Big Daddy Kane, um, Diamond D, uh, Just Ask Spice One, um, wow. Cocaine, um, JJ Fad, uh, just anybody you could think of, Eric Sermon, um, AMG, okay. whoever, you know, if they're, if they're, if they're classic hip hop artists, I've probably had them on my show or will soon be a guest on my show. You know, I started out as a podcast in 2008. So I've, I've got like um, hundreds of episodes of content. I started streaming, or we, I should say we started streaming because I have a co-host and producer, Ty Teasy, who's actually my wife. Wow. Um, she's my partner in the show and in life. Uh, um, we started streaming in 2013. So streaming content since 2013. Um, but even before that podcast content since 2008. So you can just imagine, and it was a weekly show. So you can imagine how much content and how many artists I've interviewed. You know, if you name them, I've probably done them. They've been around, um, but it continues. So you can check, you can check that out every Thursday, 4 p.m., Pacific Standard Time, that's West Coast, and mm -hmm. it's at our YouTube channel, The Going Way Back Show YouTube channel. And that's G-O-I-N, The Going Way Back Show. If you got somebody typing it, you can type it on the screen right now. <laughs> yeah, we got it. But, but, but in real life, though, you know, anything that I'm doing, because I know I'm forgetting something, I just, I do so much. Um, just follow me on Instagram, at moneyb 69 and I'm always talking about the next project or the current project. You know, in my bio, all the links are there. So just tap in with me and um, you know what I'm doing. For sure. Appreciate you, brother. Yes, sir. Money B in the building today, man. Powerful, powerful interview. Go ahead and leave your social media handles or whatever way people can keep in touch and get, get in contact with you as well. Word up. Um, like I said, Instagram and Twitter at Money B 69, like the position um, on Facebook. You know, the Digital Underground Facebook fan page, as well as the Money B fan page. Uh, also on Facebook, you can um, tap into the um, merchandise websites. That's dumerch.com uh, or look for Digital Underground T-shirts on, on um, Facebook. Uh, what else is there? You know, I don't really do the, 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 the what is it, TikTok or none of that. That's too young. That's, too young. <laughs> That's not my deal. Um what else is there? Uh, oh, SoundCloud, Twitter, um, Money B and Young Hump. Well, Twitter and Instagram is at Money B sixty nine. Oh, got you. So just uh, tap in. Um, man, I thought y'all was gonna, y'all was gonna have me out there like y'all had Jack. <laughs> oh, no, Jack. Look, man. <laughs> look, man. Oh, look, Jack. It's a loop of drag, but if you ain't noticed, we let people just speak, and, and we let Jag speak. Yeah, she, she went crazy. <laughs> <laughs> we let Jag do her thing. Like, what? Blow up now, though. I was like, oh, oh, Billy in the house. <laughs> yeah. Man. She went in. Uh, but, um, it was crazy. I was, I, was, I was watching that interview, and I was just telling somebody that, you know, I've, I've you know, every now I always go back to Philly, right? My family's there. Right. And one of the last times I was there, I actually met uh, Malik B for the first, you know, for the first and only time, right? And, you know, he's like, like she said, he's a legend in the city, right? 
but he was just he was he was he was he was a real cool dude, you know. Um, so I'm glad I, I did get to meet him once, but um, you know I didn't know all that other stuff was going on. Yeah, his brother his brother actually reached out to me after that interview dropped, and um, he 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 laid some information down. I won't drop it on air out of respect to him, but he gave some better hindsight to that whole situation and what was going on in that interview. And now it's kind of it makes sense now that we see this right out here doing multiple interviews and appearances. So salute to Malik being a family um, and his brother condolences. Yeah. So, you know, I, that was a wild one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. So we don't want to be trying to do that. Like I said, we let motherfuckers talk and they, they go ahead and talk. <laughs> like, man, I'm going to have to put my Vaseline on. <laughs> fighting up in this thing. <laughs> nah, man. We, we definitely appreciate your time, brother. Legendary Money B from the Legendary Digital Underground in the building. Yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah. Not, you know, I hope I uh, gave you guys the insight that you were looking for. Appreciate you thinking of your guy. And oh, yeah. No doubt. It. Um, what else is there? Oh, yeah. Uh, probably going to get some, some, some more solo Money B stuff because that, with my book, I, I actually. Um, plan on doing obviously the audio book, which will be me voicing it, you know, so you really get the experience of me telling the story, but I plan to have a, um, a soundtrack that accompanies the, the book as well. Um, so definitely it's, it's, it's almost like a multimedia package. Um, I've got like a hundred, um, original photos, you know, just from Dope. everything that I'm talking about. So yeah, definitely check for that one. Come. And hopefully I can come back and talk about it some more. Yeah, that'll be dope. Yeah. I was gonna tell you when you um when everything drops, let us know so that we can read up on it and have a good conversation after. Don't be taking it to Vlad shit. Give him all of you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had Cam on my show the other day too, the other week. West Coast uh, Cam? Yeah. He went. We had, talked about yeah, we had a conversation about him yesterday, no, Saturday with Godfrey. We weren't too privy about West Coast Cam until then. We had to look up some information. That was a solid oh, dude. Yeah. Uh, Cam is that guy out here. Um, did you did you watch the uh, uh, culture vulture video? Nah. Ah, oh, you gotta watch it. Him, this flat. He got a song about it. The song is dope. But Cam is Cam is OG out here, and you know I've 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 known Man, Cam for a while. But um, it was our org. Go watch my um interview with Cam on on, on the go right now. So yeah, check that out and um. Uh, you know, Cam didn't hold it back, but uh, yeah, glad. <laughs> hey, we'll we'll see you next time, brother. We're All, gonna right. Stick <laughs> All right, brother. All, All right, right. y'all. Peace out.